Welcome to Season 3 of Between Two Blue Devils, a podcast about the amazing educators, students, alumni, and citizens of beautiful Talmadge, Ohio. This season is going to be the best season yet as we sit down with people who have incredible stories to share and who are having an impact on our kids, in our community, and in our world. Now be sure to subscribe on whichever podcasting platform you listen to your podcasts on. If you like what you hear, please leave a review and give the podcast a rating. This is how we get the message out about our amazing schools and community. Now, crank up the volume, grab some coffee, kick up your feet, and get ready to be wowed as Season 3 begins. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Between Two Blue Devils. This is episode number 36, and I have the distinct honor and pleasure of having a Talmadge High School, a Talmadge City School alumnist joining me for this special episode, Mr. Grant Coho, graduate of 2009. Welcome to the podcast. Mr. Horn, it's great to be here. You know, it's hard to believe, but here we are. 2009 seems like uh, that's a long time ago. I mean... Um, what have you done since 2009 till, till now? I mean, tell me a little bit about your life. What, you know, the journey that you've been on since you've walked across the stage at EJ, back when we used to have graduation there, and now you're in the real world. Yeah, so I guess the easiest one is, you know, my hair is, of course, gone. Yeah. Uh, can't, can't beat genetics, but no, graduated 2009. Um, with long hair. With long hair. Uh, ran off to Rochester, New York at the study at the Rochester Institute of Technology, did four-year undergrad there, and then did a, an internship uh, in the Syracuse area uh, between my second and third years, and then an internship in the Boston area between third and fourth. That last one is key, because that internship turned into part-time remote work during the school year, and then turned into full-time employment uh, before graduation. So I, I walked across the stage at RIT with a job offer in hand and knew where I was going. Wow. Took a couple of months off to enjoy the summer and kind of life before starting uh, the, the grind. Yeah. And moved to Cambridge, Mass, where I've been since then. Uh, changed jobs but since then, but I've uh, been, okay. been in the Boston area since. Wow. I, you know what? I've never been to Boston. I've, I've never been to I, I mean, we... I honestly have talked about Massachusetts for the past three weeks in this class because we're talking about the 13 colonies and a number of these kids are like, well, we've been to Boston or we've been to, to New England and all up in that area. And I've never been there and I want to get there. I mean, do you like living up there? What, what are your thoughts? I do. That? You know, it's, yeah, every once in a while you get a big winter, but, yeah. you know, the, the, the vibe of the city I love. Um a lot of my friends from college have moved there, so we got kind of like an easy social bootstrapping group. Okay, and you know, just it's it's a wonderful area. There's lots of opportunities, both you know, professionally and for you know, personal growth. And uh, you know, the, the the history aspect, not maybe not quite the biggest thing for me, but is an sure. interesting draw to get yeah. people into the city. So yeah. people come to visit, and like it's easy to point out some fun fun things that happened over uh, the course of the country. Oh, that's Well, you'll have to point those things out to me when I visit someday. Absolutely. And see you up there. So, you know, when you were in high school, you were involved a lot in technology. Yeah, tell I me was, a little bit about, I mean, where does this passion for technology come from? I, mean, I think it started at an early age. There's a childhood photo of me plugging in power cords into everything the only rule was you know you can't plug it into the wall <laughs> and there's cords draped everywhere so that that kind of set the tone for where where i was going to go and it really started at both here in the district mm -hmm. um, being part of the the twe program technical work experience hmm. um, volunteered my first year when i was still in middle school because i think i was still too young to be on payroll uh, but that that carried me kind of the interest in technology professionally, and likewise uh, um, attending the computer camp at Camp Fitch in okay. Springfield, Pennsylvania, where the sixth grade go. Uh, that really gave me an interest in that world, and you know, opened my eyes to a lot of the the interesting things that can happen and can be done. And you know, it's just kind of 
ran with that for the for the rest. Wow, and that's uh, that's how we got there. Yeah, I can't imagine a a career in the world of technology, no matter what level or whatever it is that you're doing, not be adventurous and keep you on your toes. I mean, I go through this feeling every like I I bought a, a Surface Pro two years uh, a year and a half ago. As soon as I bought it, I thought, oh man, it's already obsolete, you know. And to be on the, the cutting edge of all that technology and that the development, it's got to be pretty pretty cool. What what do you do? So the the joke is I'm a cloud plumber, you know. Ooh. So whenever something goes wrong, you call the plumber. <laughs> um, so my, my, my official title is a principal systems engineer, okay. so I'm responsible for the operation and architecture of software hosting platforms. Okay. So when you punch in a website to you know, order food or send an email, under the hood there's all kinds of infrastructure that actually host that and do various components of the business to, for them to you know, be able to take your money. Mm -hmm. And so my, you know, what I do is to manage that infrastructure, you know, keep it patched, keep it updated, keep it you know, running, mm -hmm. and kind of you know, keep an eye on the ball as to where the, the course of this technology is going. Hmm. So a lot of mentoring of other peers um, and just kind of jack of all trades, master of some. Maybe not <laughs> all, but you know, there's a few tricks in the, uh, in the bag. So talk to me about what you just said there where there's a lot of mentoring of, uh, of some of your peers. So are you, do you, have, are you talking about uh, people coming in maybe serving during internships or are these new employees, uh, new engineers that are coming in? or Sometimes it's a mix of those, but most of the work now in that space is with other members of my team. And so you know, I, I have a, a good grasp of the entire platform architecture. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it took me about two years to get that built up in my mental cache. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> you know, I've, I've always had kind of a knack for understanding holistic systems. And that has enabled me to put together the pieces and see how the pieces fit together to form the complete picture, mm -hmm. which then I can help others understand if they're working on a particular component and maybe you know, aren't sure of what they need to do or how they need to do it, I can provide some, some guidance and some best practices and even within that, my team and out to other teams within the company or the, the greater community of you know, maybe here's an example of what not to do. Sure. Um, and that, uh, that, that really is, has been a lot of fun. Wow. I mean, I love all the the computer terminology that you're using, even in referencing how our mind works and how we recall uh, information and how we utilize what, what it is that we're learning. Uh, I, I, I want to talk a little bit more about like your, your job. So what's been the most exciting part of what it is that you do? I think the most exciting part is there's always a new challenge. There's always some new widget and it's fun to explore and see how that fits into the to the the greater puzzle, mm -hmm. um, and that that challenge is is, is appealing to mm -hmm. me. Uh, there's there's always something new. You know, I I, I mentioned you know I, I graduated college in 2013, uh, and I joke that my major no longer exists. You know, the the that particular major it's gone through a rebrand. Sure. But, you know, a lot of the the main core pieces of it are, aren't really relevant to me these days. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not to say they're not relevant overall, but a lot of the skills and knowledge I built up came through other means while I was in school. Sure. Uh, and that's that, you know, the two go hand in hand to, you know, constantly keeping up to date and yeah. at least somewhat up to date. I don't know. I still don't do TikTok. <laughs> you don't? I don't. <laughs> my, my, my hip does not hop. <laughs> Well, you know what? It's it, the thing about TikTok. I actually had a uh, a TikTok. Mr. Horner, the teacher, was my TikTok account, but I deleted it off my phone. I was just deleting. I actually put pushed all social media off my phone temporarily, and uh, part of a psychology class challenge, a twenty one day challenge. And I'm like, I'm gonna just get rid of all social media. Well, I took it off, and now I can't remember my password, and I can't recover. Every time I recover it it restarts a brand new TikTok. And I'm like, well, no, I want my old one because I want my old, you know, six or seven TikToks. 
because everyone's using it, but I'm better off not having it. But um, yeah, so it's funny because I remember a conference I attended a couple years ago and one of the, the keynotes, um, they brought up this really interesting point and we talk about it all the time amongst you know the staff that the kids who are sitting in my class right now, the job that they'll occupy hasn't been invented yet. That's how quickly things are changing and that's what's difficult about my profession is trying to maintain relevancy, trying to project into the future what it is that these kids might need to be exposed to, uh, try to give them opportunities at the same time, try to get out, you know, content out there and teach them certain skills. Um, you know, and, and in the world of education, we struggle to adapt uh, and modify uh, a lot of times, but you, you have to reinvent yourself almost every year, it seems like. It's the, the pace of technology just keeps just keeps going. And uh, an opinion I used to hold when I was, you know, as a kid and, you know, through college, you know, going through kind of those those more liberal arts classes yeah. that, you know, weren't in my major. It was like, oh, why do I need this? I don't need this. And it's like, no, the answer is actually yes. And I, I appreciate them a lot more now mm -hmm. because context is everything. Yeah. And, you know, historical context, political context, um, any of these things, it, it really, you know, there, there are things that can be drawn on when deciding, you know, it, like the, a big uh, debate right now is the ethics of AI. Hmm. You know, there's uh, tech companies who are building advanced software mechanics to, you know, build, to enable automated drone strikes. Is that ethical? Should hmm. engineers be doing that? Should that be the job of the military? These are, you know, these aren't technical questions. You know, we, we know how to build the software. It's, you know, should we? And those, there's the, there's, that's just an example of, you know, all kinds of the big debates that can be had. But I feel that you cannot have those in a, you know, rather intelligent manner without the context behind a lot of these decisions. Wow. You know, what does this do for us? And yeah. so, you know, that, that I, I've, I'm not proud enough to, or, to say like oh I've never changed my opinion on something like oh yeah that's and that's a big one that I espouse to you know particularly to younger people mm -hmm. is, you know there 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 is value there it, you'll get there you'll get there um, powerful advice for every listener no matter what what their age may be you know it's something that I I try to reinforce in the classroom because I'm constantly trying to reinforce it within in my mindset that yeah you're right context is key and. We had this conversation in here, my, my kids in one of my classes just took a big unit test. And um, I tell them at the beginning of the class, you don't necessarily have to memorize a lot of information, but you have to memorize a lot of information. And here's why, I don't want you to memorize it to regurgitate it. I want you to memorize it so you're capable of thinking more critically uh, in a more intellectual manner. Like you have to connect the dots, you've got to know where we've come from and where we're heading and using history as a way of, uh, to, to learn from it. I mean, it's not exactly the same, but like you said, there are principles and there are examples and there are responses that, that we can learn from to be better humans and to handle situations in, in, a, in a better way. Once had a pastor, uh, a good friend of mine, his name is Brian, he's actually a pastor in Washington, D.C. now, but every Sunday during his sermon, um, he would get to a point where he'd go, okay, context, context, context. And he'd jump over in the context corner and he's like, let's talk about context, right? And, it, and it, it's just very, very important. That topic of these drones kind of fascinates me. Um, I'm not real um, knowledgeable in regards to a lot of the other issues and debates in the world of technology. I mean, I I know that what I'm watching on Netflix in regards to the use of technology can't be that far from what's being investigated, but what have been some of the more controversial issues that you've kind of dabbled with and thought through as a, you know, uh, an engineer? I think the, the biggest one to point to is privacy. Yeah. You know, that's, that's been an ongoing conversation both in this country and across the world. And you know, what, what constitutes privacy, and in particularly in my, my current line of work for an email marketing firm, it's the, our biggest compliance area is actually for uh, the GDPR out of the EU, hmm. because, you know, the, a request can come in that we need to be able to technically process, but at a certain point, you can't not send someone an email if you don't have their email on file. 
So there's like a, a fine line that you know our you know, the, the legal team can determine to, to reach that. You know wow. when do we, and even to the point of you know you browse to a website and there is a lot of information that companies can learn just by you opening that page. Mm-hmm. I'll use an example from a friend who uh, who worked at Amazon that they know you know what buttons you're hovering over if you select text what how long you spent in different areas of the view pane. Um, you know, and that's that because that all feeds into the big marketing machine to determine how to sell you things better. Sure. And you know, it's is that right, wrong, weird? You know, there, there's there's kind of open questions there because it's not really known to you know the end user. Sure. So a lot a lot of privacy, I would say, is definitely the the biggest one. One that I think is coming or has already come and is still. You know, I'm not definitely not you know, versed on it enough. You know, self driving cars. Kind of a tangent on the AI thing mm-hmm. is, if a car you know hurts someone, is it the car's fault? Is it their fault? You know, if the car has to make an ethical choice, do I, you know, take out the thing that looks like a stroller, or do I crash into a ditch and potentially kill the driver? Hmm. There, these are the kinds of debates that you know that occur in in that in that space. Sure, I uh, listened to an episode of Revisionist History a while back with Malcolm Gladwell. And he talked about the self-driven car that they were um, testing in Phoenix. Because apparently Phoenix has one of the highest rates of, of car accidents and, and, and all of that. So it, it's the one by Google. Do you know the name of it by chance? It's, um, I wanted to say Wordy, but that's not right. No, I, I know the company you're talking about, but I, I don't know. It's got, a, it's got a unique head. name. And if somebody Googles the, the, web, the, the podcast itself, they'll, they'll find the name. But... He was talking about how extraordinary it is, how you know it's all driven by software. It's this computer. It's all connected to the cloud. And what they were doing throughout the podcast was testing its response time, and testing you know what potential errors it could uh, that could occur while it was driving. But um, it was it was amazing. It really had me thinking. You know, this is this is the Jetsons. You know, the some, one of my friends sent me a picture of a, a flying car that's being modeled somewhere in Europe right now that they're working on and. Um, they're going to be able to fly, uh, and it's going to be pilotless. You know, it's all going to be like a drone. You know, um, just amazing stuff that that's on the horizon in regards to technology. Explain to me, um, being a you know just kind of a, a dummy when it comes to this, what you're talking about in go in regards to issues of privacy. Uh, is this why, if I mention something in front of Alexa, it's now showing up? on my suggested purchases in Amazon and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and everywhere else? There, there can be times. I obviously don't have any hard evidence to you know, say one way or the other, <laughs> but there, there have been uncanny coincidences between <laughs> times that you know, I've mentioned some random thing and then I see a news article about it on my phone, yeah. or I see a you know suggestion on the internet for it. Yeah, and it, it makes you wonder. It always makes you wonder. You know, what's hmm, what's going on there? Yeah. So let's go back to your high school years. Um, when you were in high school, was there a particular class that you took, or a particular? I know you have a, a you know a friendly relations with a gentleman down down the road down the hallway here. I mean, was there somebody that inspired you or encouraged you to continue on in the world of technology? There were a number of them, and you know, I, I know I'm going to exclude someone from this list, so I'll apologize for that in advance. Yeah. But you know, like the the big ones, you know, at the top of the list, uh, the late Brad Krosky, yeah. uh, former director of technology, unbelievable man. Yeah, you know, even going back to my uncle had him as a physics teacher. Oh, really? Back, you know, way back in the '70s or '80s. Yeah. Or something like that, had similar, you know, uh, you know very high opinions of yeah. him, uh, and he he was definitely a major force in that. Um, Mr. Bob Redinger, of course, of course, can never uh, can never discount uh, all of the the impacts he's had across. Because yeah. I I took you know both at the time both calculus classes, and that that enabled me to take only two college math classes. Wow, and that yeah. was it. Um, so, you know, I, I credit him a lot with, you know, both the things that I learned explicitly yeah. in being taught, but also implicitly, mm-hmm. um, you know, problem solving and, you know, you, you know, being 
kind of you know somewhat of a sense of humor while also being serious. Yeah. Not to mention some uh, some good peanut butter pie. Oh my gosh. So, you know what? Well, first of all, have you listened to the episode with Mr. Ridley? I have, and that that, that you could submit that as a comedy piece. It Let is, me tell it's you, in, it is incredible. Well, so to give a little context to our listeners, and I would encourage you to go back and listen to his episode. That was right before we went into quarantine, and so he. Oh, pardon the interruption. Uh, that might have been the very last episode I did. And I was trying to stockpile interviews because I had no idea what was going to happen with this extended spring break. He came in here and he shared with my class. And when we finished, he then proceeded to answer more questions. So I actually hit record and recorded about 45 more minutes of dialogue between him and the students. And it was just, it was so entertaining just to listen to him. I call him like the Forrest Gump of teaching because he's had so many experiences in so many different professions. He is an unbelievable um, uh, individual, unbelievable teacher. So, oh, totally. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I look back on those stressful classes very fondly. Yeah. Um, and of course, Mr. Mark Swindell, mm -hmm. uh, I only had him for one class, but and we still keep in touch you know, to this day, yeah. every once in a while whenever I'm in town. Um, Mr. Keith B., mm -hmm. who I, I say taught me to draw. I have, I have no artistic talent whatsoever uh but i can do like engineering sketches and you know cad and those were things i learned in his class and yeah that's, you know i feel like a, a lot a lot of the residents of the e-wing down there have been uh you know, major influences on me over the years cool. although some of them have uh, moved on from the district now. Mm -hmm. um and then uh the even the current director of technology kurt gwynn mm -hmm. he was he was the system administrator you know back in the, day, the early days mm -hmm. uh, before they brought on Tim Blau. And both of them you know, just were you know, examples of people like, hey, I, I like what you do. How can I do that? How can I go to school to do that? And mm -hmm. that's, that's actually how I found RIT. Um, and you know, it, was, it, it all seemed to work out. Wow. So that you found the Rochester Institute of Technology via conversations with the, the gentleman down there. It, I, I remember going to Wikipedia and just searching system administrator because that was the title. And so mm -hmm. I mean, that seems fun. You know, I read the, the article and there was a, at the time, there was a blurb on that page of schools that offered degrees in that field. Yeah. I think it was like University of Michigan some school I don't remember, and, and RIT. Okay. And so I, Rochester was already kind of on the map. Uh, my, my grandparents went to the University of Rochester. Okay. My dad was born there. All right. So the, the city was on, you know, kind of in the, in, in the consciousness by that point. Yeah. So went, went for a visit, and between the facilities of the, the, the major in the, in the, the, the college and the, the um, special interest dorm I ended up living in, I was said, yep, this is this is it. It was the only school I applied to, the only one I got into. I think it uh, may have caused my mother a little bit of trauma because, like, oh my God, what if he doesn't get in? <laughs> um, but it's like, nope, it it all worked out. You, wow, got in and flourished. That's, I dare say that is that is awesome. I love it. I love hearing stories like that. And you know, I think a lot of times people don't know who the men are behind the curtain down there. You know, and it. And it, it points to one of, the, one of the themes that we try to raise with this podcast, that we're all part one big, of one big team. No matter whether we're a teacher or whether we're working back there behind a computer or whether we're you know, greeting people at the front desk in the, in the main office, that we're here for the kids. And we want to provide every opportunity for our students to, uh, to succeed. If I can throw out one more, you know, shout out to someone who maybe doesn't get all the shout outs, Mr. Tony Italia. Oh. You know, I spent a lot of evenings working in the auditorium that senior year, and every time I asked him for help on something, he stopped whatever he was doing and, and came over and helped me. And I, I greatly appreciated that. You know, he was a great guy. Mm -hmm. I haven't talked to him in a, lot, in a long time, but, you know, I always look back on that. You know, all of the custodial staff was yeah. always, you know, good, good, good people. I am trying so desperately to get Tony on the podcast. I've asked him countless times, and here's why. Because that man 
models a work ethic. And I point, I point to him all the time with my own son and my daughter when she was here. And I'm like, listen, that guy right there takes pride in what he does. Uh, the phrase that we use all the time at home is work is worship, right? That you do the best that you can uh, to honor whomever it is that you're working for. And to, you know, in our, in our case, you know, being faith driven, you know, we just want to glorify God in what we do. And I'm like, listen, that man right there takes care of this building as if it were his own. It is his own. And he makes it look like it's a brand new building. He is the epitome of, uh, of work ethic and he's a first class guy. So I'm going to tell him what you said. I'm going to share it with him and tell him he's got to get on this podcast. He is he is unbelievable. Excellent. Excellent. So, you know, one of the things that you are very passionate about that I want to take a moment to talk about, and I'm, I'm curious as to when the origin of this passion began, uh, but this is, that, that's Camp Fitch. My favorite subject. Your favorite subject. Absolutely. So uh, let's begin with that. Where, when did you kind of be, just be, when were you first introduced to Camp Fitch? I was introduced to Camp Fitch in the fall of 2002 when sixth grade Talmadge Middle School went up for the their annual outdoor education field trip. Okay. Uh, I believe they're actually going up, maybe not next week, the week after. Um, so the that was my first, what we call our first touch uh, with okay. potential campers. All right. Um, and I remember, you know, came home, didn't really, you know, you know, I don't think I would have gone back, you mm-hmm. know, just for normal summer camp. That wasn't really on my radar. But part of the you know, brochure that they sent everyone home with had a computer camp program. I was like, ooh, that sounds fun. There you go. And so the following summer in 2003, I showed up as a camper for a week of computer camp. And fast forward 19 years later, I am still there. Wow. Uh, I was a camper for a number of years, went through the, the computer camp CIT program, and then what became a counselor for a handful of years before taking over as a, a co-director around, I think it was 2014 or 2015. Okay. And so now now kind of wear more of the managerial stripes. Okay. Uh, but you know, still there every summer and a lot, even more recently going up in the off season, uh, either with my staff or with, uh, with other camp staff. So you're bringing your staff that you oversee right now in Cambridge. To no, my, my, oh, com- my computer camp staff. Oh, your me. computer. Okay, all yes. right, all right. Yeah, we, we gather from you know all over all corners of the country. Okay, I got you. Uh, all right, to you know for for summer camp, but we've started doing more off season trips. Okay, all right, very good. Now a moment ago, I I might have looked a little distracted, and I was pointing towards the door. Um, the reason I did that, ironically was because Mr. Tony Italia was getting ready to come no in the way. room. <laughs> yeah. And so I was, I was trying to wave him in to come in, but then he, he saw the sign and he took off. Uh, but I thought, well, that's fate. We just talked about him, and here he is. The universe works in mysterious it ways. It certainly does. So, um, yeah, Camp Fitch. I, I just think it's fascinating that you were exposed to it because of an opportunity presented to you at, at the middle school. And then you've just kind of continued giving back. It's played such an important role in your life. And, um, and, I, and I find that to be um, just amazing. It really is amazing. It's great because, you know, for, for on the selfish side, it's like I can go to summer camp as an adult. Yeah. Uh, but even you know, beyond that, it's, you know, you, we see a lot of the impact that we make. Uh-huh. And especially in the field of technology, uh, the, the executive director of camp loves to use this example because you know, we, we, get, we have people in you know, high knock on wood places. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, know, you get someone from a, you know, a, rel- a relatively poor district, school district in like the Erie area or even you know, anywhere else in the, mm-hmm. the region, you know, working one on one with you know, a software engineer at a you know, giant company. Mm-hmm. You, you don't get that level of interaction a lot. No. And so for a lot of them, um, you know, technology can be a way out of that cycle. Wow. And so you, know, you, you get the skills, you know, just the, kind of the, the, ba- the basics. You spark that interest and then, you know, let, let them run wild with it. Wow. And it's, you know, we've, we've gotten some, you know, campers who have come back who are now, you know, leaders in their fields or, you know, n- have made, you know, names for themselves. And you're like, hey, you made it. And That's so it's, cool. It's so fun to see. So the, uh, how big is your team that you have that works there? So for the, the tech, you know, tech focus experience staff, we have uh, on a normal summer, 
about 15 to 20 staff really? uh, for about 30 campers. We're, we, we, we give oh, a lot that's of pretty good ratio. We give a lot of attention. That's wow. that's kind of one of our, our value propositions over you know others in the market is mm-hmm. you know you not only can you are you somewhere unique, but we you know we we are invested in making sure you succeed, and the best way to do that is with attention. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're when you, when you have a you know class of you know 30, 15 people, it's it's tough to be get that one on one. Yeah. You know, get to, get to know them, especially over the course of a week. Yeah. Uh, maybe two if they're uh, if 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 the parents sent them for both weeks, but mm-hmm. it's it the, that and that really makes a difference. So this tech camp, what is the target age? Generally, ages eight to 15, eight 16. To 15. So you know, kind of middle school and end up. Okay. Uh, maybe I guess that's probably a little younger than middle school, elementary. Yeah. yeah. But you know, it's it's there's there's kind of a sweet spot where um, you know we we kind of branch people off as to if you know what a variable is. And a lot of times you just got you know somebody doesn't know what the word variable means, but you say you know do you know what x is? I'm like oh yeah. So it's yeah. You know it's just kind of sometimes you get those those initial questions and you know kind of that that's where we kind of divide off and like you know whether we start in you know real you know kind of programming. Or go off into maybe some more logic puzzles. Okay. Um, you know, how, like how do you teach a computer to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? You know, it's thing, things like that. Okay, that's that's awesome. So, uh, I'm assuming that if you if you have 30 kids coming out to camp for one week, possibly two weeks, then the technology that's available must be pretty uh, pretty good. That's that's one thing that you know my co-directors and I believe in is if you refine the experience down to the lowest levels or like the little details, it increases the overall experience. And so you know we, we invest in you know some decent machinery mm-hmm. and staff and you know aspect you know fine tuning the program, you know so that somebody's not wondering like oh what do you mean I can't install Minecraft today you know, <laughs> yeah. that type of thing yeah uh, or actually Fortnite excuse me <laughs> um, you know it's, it's the little details like that that actually end up becoming you know greater technology puzzles for us um, mm-hmm. you know, on the on the other side but okay. you know you make it you know plus it's you know the magic of summer camp it's one of the few places where you can you know be hacking on some project and then literally 30 seconds later be swimming in the lake wow it's you know the best and, of both worlds absolutely well, and I think that's a testimony to the program that they have uh, that somebody as professional and as well-equipped as you would want to continue to go back. I mean, what an asset to their program to have you there uh, working with them and keeping them up to par with what's going on. And I can't help but think that your director that oversees it, he must really be in tune to the details and really cutting edge. And and you know staying up to par with that and it sounds it sounds like such a great opportunity. What has been your uh, what's been your favorite part of working at Camp Fitch? The people, you know, between the you know the campers, the staff, um, the alumni. You know, we just had a, a a trip up there this past weekend and got to connect with a handful of other alumni who happened to be there <clears throat> that I remember when I was a little camper. Okay. And so it's, it's you know there was fun to you know rekindle some old connections there, but then even you know with my you know, my staff there, you know we've. The pandemic actually made us keep in touch a lot more. Mm-hmm. We we used to do kind of the holiday party every year, and that was kind of about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you know the pandemic hit, and you know we didn't have summer camp in twenty twenty, and so we all just kind of kept in touch more, and uh, you know that snowballed, and you know now it's it's kind of interesting. It's like man, we've never kept in this much touch. Go figure. But it's, it's, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, I I, I think about the. The people that I'm communicating with on a daily basis that before the pandemic I wouldn't have but now with the new apps you know the communicate like we use Voxer a lot I'm not sure if you're familiar it's like a walkie-talkie one so I can sit here drop a quick message and then they'll drop me a message you know and um, and all of that or even just simply hopping on zoom or Google meet it was there but I never used it one time and it goes back probably seven or eight years ago no nah, not quite that long but maybe I, I tried to use a Google Meet one night with a couple of my A pushers to host a uh, a review, and it was glitchy and getting stuck, and none of the features that we have right now. 
but I still have the call notice on my Google. So it's still there. I leave it oh, there as a, as a reminder. But now it's, man, touch of a button and we're face to face. It's, it's just, it really is amazing. Had it not been for the quarantine, I would have never used any of that technology. Absolutely. So, you know, it, camp is, is a fascinating thing. I, I was sharing with a colleague of mine who, uh, one of your former teachers, and we were talking about how you are still connected to camp. And she brought up the fact that recently they were with some friends who uh, the husband goes back to the camp that he had gone to when he was a child. And he serves every summer as a counselor and he oversees something there and how most recently there was a reconnection with him and some past campers. And then we just kind of went down that rabbit trail about how camp really impacted all of us. There's a podcast out there, This American Life, which I, I absolutely love. And it's just stories of, you know, they, each week is a theme and they bring a handful of stories on that theme. Uh, this one that I'm mentioning comes back, uh, I think it was aired maybe 10, 15 years ago on the topic of summer camp. And the general premise being there's the, there's the people who summer camp and the people who don't. And they kind of each look at each other funny. And mm. it's like, I, I get it. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it, it's, it's a world, but you know, it's, I, I think it can be related to people. There's people who do sports and there's people who don't do sports. Yeah. And they, they equally look at each other a little funny. Yeah. Well, I, I went to a lot of camps when I was growing up and I always, I loved them and I've taken my son to father son camps and, but he's never gone on a week long excursion all on his own to camp. And, um, and I was thinking about it ever since you reached out to me about how important that would be for him. My daughter did for a couple weeks, but you know, he's just been busy with other things come summertime and, um, I need to be more intentional this summer about shipping him off. Some, sometimes uh, the, the camp experience, especially for first-timers, is equally as terrifying for the parents as it is for the camper. Mm -hmm. you know, I remember my first night at camp, I was happy as a clam, uh, but uh, my, my mom was a little uh, like, oh, is he cold? Is he, you know, <laughs> what's, what's, what's going on? So, and it's like, yeah, I survived. You know, come home at the end of the week. Smelling not so great, but you know, that's that's summer camp. But it, yeah, and it's, and in my you know as a director now, I, I do parent communications, yeah. and so uh, you know every once in a while you get that email of like you know oh how did my you know my daughter do or whatever, and it's like she was fine, having a blast. Here's a picture with a giant smile. That's and, so uh, funny, and, and they're, they're that that puts their mind at ease. That's how it was with my daughter when we dropped her off at her camp, and I think she was maybe eight. We dropped her off at Camp Carl, and I remember the ride home. My wife was just. A mess. I'm like, you think this is bad now? Imagine what it's going to be like if we drop her off away at college. I mean, this is nothing. I It didn't bother me because I'd been to camp so many times. Um, but it's fascinating. You know, before we transition into a couple other questions, is there anything else about Camp Fitch? I mean, I see you're proudly wearing your shirt, and oh, it's a great shirt. shirt. I got the jacket. I got the, my uh, my requisition chacos. You know, it's, <laughs> I'm, 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 you know, cargo pants. I'm living the life there. Any, any final thoughts about Camp Fitch that you would want to share with our audience that you haven't yet? You know, get uh, it's a it's a chance to do something different. You know, you can find yourself. You can find you know friends. It's you know the big three. You know, friendship, belonging, and achievement. And it's that's kind of the the motto that goes into a lot of the kind of on the backside of you know what we as a camp do. And you know, it's there are people there who care. You know, no matter where you're from, what you do, what you may have done, it's you know it's it's open to all. That's what, that's what we're here for. I love the fact that before we started recording, you and I were talking about a young lady who graduated last year uh, or two years ago from, um, from Talmadge, and she was down south in another state attending school, came back, and now she decided to just spend a year working at Camp Fitch. And for such a transition like that, such a drastic change, there must be a special connection out there at camp for her, and um, it must be filling her bucket in a special way right now. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure that I put all the contact information for Camp Fitch in the show Absolutely. notes. And, uh, and so anyone who's listening, and we've got a broad range of ages. If you've got children that are interested in technology or anything else, Camp Fitch has so much else, uh, you know, a whole bunch of other uh, week-long initiatives that they offer as well. So, Grant, let me, let me ask you this. Um, I like to ask members of that, that, or I like to ask people who come in and I interview, about what they're reading. Is there anything that you're reading? Like if you had to pick one book 
what would that book be that you would say, you've got to get this? Well, I, I, I'm going to take that as two questions because the one I'm reading, I, I'm not sure I'd recommend to, to all audiences. <laughs> um, but a, a book that I think had a lot of influence on me was 1984. Okay. I read in, uh, I think, 11th grade English sure. in Mr. Joe Vassilotti's class. Okay. Um, that, I, I've always been into sci-fi. And you know, that, that, that book kind of hits home, you know, and, you know both, both as, you know, the world building, but also there's a lot of, you know, subtle themes going on in there, sure. some not so subtle. And that, that one really, you know, I, I think everyone should read that so at least once. did you appreciate it when you were reading it? Or is this something upon reflection you're like, okay, now I see why Mr. Vassilotti had me read it? I think a little bit of both. Okay. Um, I appreciate it at the time because it, uh, it, it connected a lot with a video game I was playing at okay. the time, Half-Life 2, All which right. I dearly love. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I was able to, I think it helped me connect more. Yeah. And, you know, in reflections, it's, you know, obviously, you, know, you start to see more. But, I, yeah, I, I enjoyed it at the time. Hmm. It's funny that you would mention video games because uh, my son right now is big into Call of Duty Cold War. And he's playing that. And now and he's in my, my history class. And he's like, Dad, when are we going to study the Cold War? When are we going to get to? I want to learn more about this, you know. And I, and I love that aspect of gaming with some of these games. It really triggers some interest in some of our, our kids. And, uh, um, well, let me ask you this. What, so you mentioned you love that game. I mean, what is, is that your ultimate favorite game or? For up until January, I would have said, yes, that is, that is my favorite game. It's, I guess you could call it its sequel, prequel sequel came out, uh, for, uh, in, in the VR gaming platform, uh, Half-Life Alex. Ooh. And I, I played through that, and I, I at the end of the game, I had to sit down and process what I had just watched. For real, it was the the amount of because a lot of it was just you know tie-ins to the previous game, and you know I don't want to spoil the ending for anyone who hasn't played it, but yeah. there is a moment of like, whoa, I just got transported back in time to you know high school era when that game series kind of finished okay never did and it's kind of a running joke on the the gaming community that like oh half-life 3 you know it's coming soon it's been coming soon for 10 years and there's still no sign of it um but uh this this game came out and it it received lots of awards okay for being you know just the amount of detail and i think you know going back to you you mentioned connections with games and and subject you know history especially that it it's a way of visualizing certain areas or certain mm-hmm. topics or sure. places and that can kind of hit it home a little bit more yeah because like at, at the time i forget when the 1984 movie came out but i had definitely played the game then read the book then watched the movie and so you know being that, that the visualizations help kind of oh, sure. nail everything home and so you know for the cold war similar i'm sure there's something similar well we, we try to you know a lot brain-based research now is really pushing education towards trying to engage as many senses, the five senses in all of your experience for exactly what you're talking about. It's going to trigger a memory. It's going to create a relationship with the content. And so, you know, it would be nice to be able to, th- this clever touch that we have allows me to do a lot more with it than, than I had been able to do with just a you know, dry erase board. And just, I'd love to see a classroom where video games were being used side by side with, with history. That would be, that would be neat. It's funny you mentioned that, and you know, we we were talking to uh, uh, Mrs. Whitman uh, just before mm-hmm. this, and I remember in our AP government class, uh, we actually we were doing a group project for I think it was we had to present like a building proposal mm-hmm. or something like that, and we actually my group and I we built a three D representation of that building that we were going to build in our game in a game engine oh, so really? our demo to the class was me bringing my laptop in plug it into the projector and literally walking around in the building that you know, is cool to, to give a kind of a highlight to yeah. what was going on well there is a minecraft is a big one right now that's being used for a lot of things similar to that and i know you can actually become minecraft certified for educational purposes and i have a few friends that i that i know that have been certified in that area uh, for me, I, I was telling the, I was talking to one of my students. Um, maybe it must have been yesterday. Uh, 
about a game that she was playing. And right now she's really into the Resident Evil series. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Resident Evil 1, I loved it. PlayStation 1 came out. That was the first game I bought for it. Nice. I can rem I can remember sitting there, you know, all the lights were out and I'm sitting there waiting for the door to open. I don't know what's going to be on the other side and feeling all that anticipation and, and fear. But <clears throat> PlayStation 1 was great. There was just a couple buttons. Now I watch my son play Fortnite or play Call of Duty and he navigates that keyboard like a champ. And I, I can't process it. You know, these newer games, I just can't keep up with them. So I got to Dig the old Atari 2600 back out. And oh, there you go. Start playing some Pitfall. You reminded me of uh, another aspect of kind of like high school, maybe middle school life. You know, talking back to that project, um, a lot of my interest in games actually started as a result of a, I think it was eighth grade science project um, that some friends and I had gotten together. We had to, I think we were studying like the planets or something mm -hmm. like that, and you had to make a movie about the planet. Okay. At the time, we were all into a, uh, a web video comic series. I think it was called Red vs. Blue. It was shot in the video game Halo. And just, you know, you got players you know, nodding around, like yeah. walking around and whatnot. So we did a, a school project in that, uh, that style. We got together one weekend, like afternoon at my dining room. We all brought our computers together. I think we, uh, we reached out to the network administrator of the school at the time because we needed to borrow a network switch so we could okay. all plug together. <laughs> and uh, you know, we, we got together, we filmed, and then the one had a recording studio in his basement, so we went over, did the voices, and that tradition carried on to be you know, all-night land parties. Uh, wow. You know, going for, usually in the summers, like every, every year for a number of years. So you did that before all these kids would carry their TVs and their Xboxes around and play Fortnite? Back, back in the day. Back in the day. Wow. Yes. That is awesome. That's awesome. It was a lot of fun. Oh, for it was sure. a lot of fun. So when you look back at high school and you think about, you know, a large, um, well, not a large, but a small a percentage of our listeners are high school students. Um, some of their kids will be, you know, maybe might listen to this a couple years from now, you know, when they enter into high school. Uh, what kind of advice would you give your high school self? Um... Long hair doesn't work on you. It's like the <laughs> easiest one. Uh, but no, on, on I got to put a picture online. <laughs> uh, hide the evidence. <laughs> no, I think it's ha having an open mind. You know, in, in college, in my dorm, it was beat into you pretty quickly that like, unless something's you know illegal, immoral, danger, like ridiculously dangerous, or just flat out impossible, like say yes to everything. You know, try new things. Yeah. Explore new areas of interest, and it's okay to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, the, the best thing that I can, other than you know, just be in the right place at the right time. But that's that's kind of a little, you know, how do you tell someone to just just do what you're supposed to do? Like be mm -hmm. in the right place. And yeah. Like, uh. Well, I, I like uh, I love that advice, and I think about Ben Franklin's quote, and I know I've said it on air before, but it's you know. Ben Franklin said, yes, I believe in luck. The harder I work, the luckier I get, right? Absolutely. And, and try to tell the kids, just put everything you have into whatever it is you're doing, and good things will follow. You know, you'll know, you be Absolutely. surprised at opportunities that present themselves. And I think you, you typify that. You, know, you, you look at the experiences that you've had here that spiked your interest, and then you, you were courageous enough to leave home and go to another state. Uh, courageous enough to apply for these internships, and then that drew you to a, a, another state, and you're 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 living your best life now. Certainly feels that way. Yeah. You know, I, I look back to you know senior year was the first year in this building. Okay. And uh, I through work um, we spent a lot of time in the auditorium, which I kind of became known for over the course of that year, because mm -hmm. I did like the one thing that no one else really felt like they wanted to do, and then I read the manual. <laughs> um, and you know, just that led to you know being you know pulled out of class because like hey someone needs to like show a movie in there and they don't know how to operate the projector. Mm -hmm. It's like all right, well, there we go. And even you know eventually getting time to you know skip a block of class to actually just work in there and do mm -hmm. things. So volunteer, I guess, would be the appropriate term. <laughs> but no, it was you know, and that just happened right place, right time. Yeah. But you took something that. A lot of people didn't appeal to a lot of people, and you're like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna master that, yeah. and I'm gonna become the best that I, ca I can possibly be in that area. And it, you fit a need. There was a need there, and then as a result, that provides 
you know, you with more opportunities. And, uh, and I think that's just a great life lesson, no matter who our listeners are and whatever age bracket they might fall in, you know, we all find ourselves in situations where we've got to, we've got to do that. And we've got to maximize the opportunities that we've been given. So absolutely. I'm so thankful that you reached out to me. I, that was uh, a surprise. And, um, but I'll tell you what, our listeners are going to be better people having listened to your story and listening to the experiences that you've had. And they are fascinating. Honestly, I, I feel like I could sit here and talk for another two hours about technology and all these other things. And maybe we will, maybe I'll ask a few more um, difficult questions when we're not, when we're off air and there's no audio <laughs> evidence of. Oh, there we go. But uh, no, it's been a pleasure. But thank you. Um, any, any final thoughts that you might want to share? Or I think we've, we've covered a lot. Yeah, I. I guess uh, you know, in, in listening to you know various episodes of your podcast, I, I came prepared for, of course, the question: you know, What's your guilty pleasure in music? And what uh, what and, is your and guilty? My, and, and I answer it kind of ties into a bit of uh, you know, I guess, life advice: is if you own everything you do, no one can make you embarrassed. So, like, I I will happily espouse any of my maybe you know the music I listen to. I think the the one that probably gets the most you know head turns is uh, the Eurovision Song Contest. It's like, wait, you're into Eurovision? Like, absolutely. You know, let's let's uh, you know let's throw some shade at England or something like that. And that's, <laughs> you know, if you own everything you do, then you know they, they they can't bring you down for it. This is a good place to uh, land the plane because that is a that's a fantastic quote, and such a great quote. I'm gonna use that in class tomorrow uh, with my students because um, there is just a lot of life lessons in that quote. Grant, I appreciate you taking the time to come in here. I know you're not home very often, and when you are, you know, you, it's family time is valuable and, and, and meeting up with your friends. Uh, but you took some time to come in here and share a wealth of wisdom with our listeners, and for that, I am very thankful. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. It's good to, good to be back. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. And do me a favor. Please make sure that you share this episode. Uh, somebody out there needs to hear this story, this incredible story of a, a, a Talmadge High School alumnus who is doing great things in this world. Uh, such opportunities that Grant has been able to take care of. And as a result, our world's a better place. So please share. Take a moment to rate the podcast and get the message out of all the great things that are going on in, in Talmadge City Schools. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed our interview today. Be sure to subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you are listening on. And also feel free to follow me on Instagram at, at Mr. Horner the Teacher or on Twitter at THS Mr. Underscore Horner for podcast updates, blog updates, and more information about our guests. If you liked what you heard, I would appreciate if you give us a review and share the episode. Help me get the message out about how incredible our community is and how awesome our teachers are. If you haven't, make sure you go back and listen to past interviews. There are a lot of amazing people that we've had the privilege of interviewing. Until next time, go Blue Devils.